On today's episode, Dave interviews Gene Villapique. Gene is an alum of Second City and I.O. and wrote and performed in three solo shows at UCB in Los Angeles. Gene's been on 30 Rock, Grey's Anatomy, The Office, Modern Family, among other TV and film appearances. She can be seen in the soft rock cover duo The Artists with Kit Punjetti. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. I mean, what what is it that you... I mean, she when she first... she We grew up in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and she lived in New Jersey her whole life. And when she got there, she was like, all of the news is about bones. People keep finding bones in their yard, and bones and people... And, like, I'm sure that the level of, you know, the news, I'm sure, was... Even coming here from watching news in New York or Chicago, I'm like, who are these dailings? Like sexy newscasters right. you know it's, it's a real shift but north carolina is like not so much is going on and those folks aren't as they're not as used to dealing with big stories and so many people the volume of people in the tri-state area and stuff and i think my mother was just like that was a real indication of the culture shock of moving to how come she moved there what made her move there her sister moved there uh-huh. well that's why katie moved there katie moved oh. there because her sister moved there but i think also I have some family music like, and she retired there yeah uh, ash was a from what I understand, it's a progressive. It's one of those things where it's it's the Austin of North Carolina, or it's the Madison of North Carolina. You know where you go, where there's respite for those of us who who say maybe guns guns aren't the thing. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, many people are retiring also to this. My mom is by the beach. By Shalot is the town. It's very very tiny, okay. and it's in the south by Wilmington, where all the production is in North mm. Carolina. And um, where all the what is. Production where production. Like Dawson's oh, yeah, yeah, shot yeah, yeah, there, and yeah. there's this big studio, and uh, I think a lot of people are retiring there because their parents retired to Florida, and they don't want to retire to Florida because that they associate that with being old like their parents. Right. So I think they're like, we're just moving to North Carolina. It's just still, no, we're just moving to North Carolina. Yeah, That's all. Climate. Moving. Yeah. What was it's it? Not retiring Robert Klein said somebody should investigate Florida because when my folks moved down there, they were really healthy people, and then 20 years later, they died. <laughs> like. So and, it's a phenomenon. Yeah, like Florida, where old Jews go to die. Uh, my dad just got a condo in Florida. My wow. dad and his wife. Where, where did he live? He that? lives uh, Coral Cave Cove. Oh. I don't know. Uh, oh, the other you... side, not the not the Miami side, but the, the golf, golf side? side. The golf side. And he is a, he and his wife. They live there and they hang out. They do stuff together. And he says things like, "Oh, we, we you know we should come over." Well, I'm, my brother, my sister, and I are going to go hang out there in January. You should come over and we'll. I want to introduce you to the rabbi. I'm like, mm, how about not? How about not? How about not? How about not? How about how not? Co- now, do you not? I was going to say celebrate. Do you not celebrate religion? Do I do not it? celebrate. For, no, I don't or celebrate religions. Yeah, okay. I don't. I don't celebrate religion. I look at it and I see it as the bane of so much argument and like all that sort of stuff and holding on to things that are historical in nature and not having anything to do with where I am right now in my life mm-hmm. and to schlep all that shit in, not just the religious hoda, 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 but also you fucked my family over and I hate you even though I don't even know you. Yeah. You know, and I don't like you because you grew up there. I was like, what? And people are still holding on to the Civil War and saying, yeah, you Northerners. Like, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's wild to me. And I feel like there's something in, in my parents as well. And I wonder if it's that, if it's generationally. How old are you folks? Um, 72 and 73. Okay. That they <clears throat> want to, well, my father, not so much. He's not really uh, religious as much anymore, but my mother what religion? Was, we grew up Protestant. My dad grew up, I think, Baptist. Um, and 
that they want they to not believe in God is so upsetting. And I remember my mom came to visit, and Brian, my husband, and I were sitting around at the table, and I was like, "Why would you?" And it why would affected you her believe in God, or why uh -huh. do you, why would you believe that Jesus? Like, why? How can you believe this? But it it offended her. It hurt her, and I just thought like she really wants. I, and I realized mostly what's important to her is a community. That's been like in church choir. Like it's been a lot to her when my dad left and they got divorced. Like she, that church was her social situation. She went for choirs all the time. I mean, those people took care of her. And they bring people in religious situations, bring you casseroles when someone dies. They take care of you. And right. I think she thinks that we don't have that. But I think we definitely have that in artistic communities? Oh yeah, I, mean, I can't tell you. I don't. I don't stop making casseroles for people. I just make <laughs> them really all. Make the, <laughs> I just make casseroles all the time. It's like right now. Right, right now. I knew you're coming over, so I made casseroles earlier, and they're now cooling. Is in there the, mushroom soup in it? Uh, some of them. Some. Some people don't like mushroom soup. You know, That's true. I don't. The Muslims don't like mushroom soup. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, but I agree with you. Like our community, but but a sense of community. And so so at the core of all religion, I believe is 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 that feeling of being, the feeling of oneness, the feeling of, the, but there's also a spiritual inspiring, in, in, I, that almost sounds redundant, but there's a, there's a spiritual inspiring that you get from religion when it's not taken as a, as a religion, rather it's taken as, I believe in this, how can I say this? Um, it's, I don't need religion because I have spirituality. That, yes, that's what you're saying. That's, that's not, what I'm yes, saying. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. I don't need religion. I don't need the hoo-ha and the ding-dings and the things. Like, I'll do the Hanukkah candles because I really like fire. And that's why I'll do the Hanukkah candles, you know? And, and Fourth of July fireworks. And Fourth of July fireworks. <laughs> and also, there's something where I look at it and I go, okay, my grandparents did this. Uh-huh. And it's my connection to my grandparents. Um, that's nice. So, so the ritual is the connection to my grandparents, not the reason for the ritual. Yes, I think ritual is very nice, and we lack it a lot, or I, in my life, lack a lot of ritual. What do you and Brian do for ritual? Do you do ritual things? Like, every every nine days, we, no. we, we groom a we goat. We do count days by nine. Our week is a nine-day week. <laughs> Your week is nine. You yes, and Brian's week is nine. every nine days, we have yeah. our weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We, not really. I mean, uh, we've been together for four years. I don't know... When the ritual starts, is that the fifth year? The fifth year is ritual. The, <laughs> or ninth. This, yeah, the sixth year is uh, I, is the ritual plus one. Okay. I know, I know that. So I got you. I got a, a reservation for you. Ritual plus one, by the way. Oh, thank you. I just thank you, you so that. much. Uh, no, I think like uh, things like uh, see when you're when you're single, as single as I've been for a while, you you I miss the ritual of every Sunday morning we'll go and we'll go over to the market. Oh yes, you know that because we that, in a way like, that's yes. a ritual, isn't it? Yes, and it's comfortable to have that routine. And right. I was single for ten years in there, and that is the farmers market was very important that way because I think it was being around people, being out, getting something done. It also felt creative, but it was like I know that there's so much, especially being a creative person. Like there are days of like I have to create my own schedule. I don't know what tomorrow is. Tomorrow might be busy or nothing. So to know like. To have something to hang on to, like Sunday is this, and right. it's comforting. I think also going to the, did you go to the the Union Square uh, in New York? The what, was that Union Square? I did a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. But what market did you go to when you were in New York? In New York, I did it more with living out here, Got being it. single. In New mm -hmm. York, I had a ritual of going to hear music. I 
Right. There was this little French place. I mean, it's everything's magic in New York. There was a little French restaurant called Bar Tabac, two blocks from where I went, or where I lived at the time, near Ed and Melanie, um, uh-huh. and two blocks from where they live. Right. And in uh, Brooklyn, there was this mm-hmm, right. This great um, uh, French jazz, Stéphane Rambel is his name, and he, there was this percussionist who played with thimbles on his fingers, and he had this little board with pots and pans, and just it was beautiful and live music. So every I would do that. I think they played Thursday nights or Tuesday nights. And I would go get a glass of red wine and I would write because I felt silly just sitting there like loving it. So I would, I mean, half of it was like, I don't have anything to, like just writing nonsense to look like I was writing. And I think I thought it was a little weird. And I had a big crush on the percussionist guy. And oh my God, it was. Do you miss New York? A lot, yeah. What don't you miss? Um, Feeling haggard all the time. It's hard. It's so hard to live there. It's so fucking hard to live there. And this uh, woman that I'm dating now, she lived in New York and uh-huh. she just moved here. And she said, I, she said the other day, she said, I, I get a tinge of, oh, that would really be a cool thing to do. But then I get in my car and I drive to the supermarket and then I go get my stuff and I bring it upstairs. As opposed to <laughs> so going nice. to the, and like loading up and going and, and hands schlepping. hands cut, like hands cut with plastic bags. In Chicago, it was that way too. Or right. pushing a cart full of groceries. Before I never had a car in Chicago. It just was like... So hard. I wish I had moved to New York in my 20s. I mean, that's when I had all of the energy in the world and all I could have climbed every stairwell and been happy about it. But to move here at 36, I was like, mm, this is... And to also know, Pete, there are just two ways to live in New York. And a lot of the people I knew were living in... They don't go down. They just stay in cars and are in tops of buildings. And I was like, oh, no, downstairs, it's really, really hot. Right, right. The first right. time I went on the subway in the summer, I thought, like, oh, it's going to cool. I'm going to go downstairs yeah. to the cool subway. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, it's fucking hotter. <laughs> not it's like, hotter. Not only that, but somebody told me about this where you're on a subway and then you get to go, oh, there's no one in that car. I'll go to that subway car. And then you realize there's no one in that car because someone's rotting from the inside. And you're going, what the fuck is that? What happened? (laughs) There's like one person in the back like, I took a shit in the earth. (laughs) Like I own this. Like, oh, no. Exactly. And they're just sitting there, a mountain of cloth and and detritus (laughs) and old man Old man, uh, uh, scaly scabies and or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. That is gross. No, that is the first time that happens to everyone. Like, hey, like just like the worst (laughs) slap in the face. And then you, and then, Uh. and then somebody said, "Well, then you got to do the scoot." I'm like, "The scoot? Yeah. When you when the train stops, scoot to the next car." Oh, yeah. Oh, you, know, okay. like, you don't stand there. Like you oh, walk in, you go, so "Oh my god!" And you go, "So you get in the car, and like nobody's here." And then the doors close, and then suddenly it fills up with that smell. And you go, "For the love of fucking everything, get me the fuck out of here!" And the next st- stop, you get, you run to the next car, and you pray you're not going to Brooklyn. You're not like under the river for that long haul. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, that's the worst. <laughs> Make that mistake, then. Oh, I think smell is so. I get so upset by offensive smells, and I feel like, like I sat, we went to go see a movie the other night, and there was a woman next to me with way too much perfume oh, on. Yeah. And I'm, I get allergies, and I get sensitive to smells, but I just thought, like, it is affecting my senses. And if I just sat here going, like, in your ear, that's not fair either. No, it's the but same thing. It's the smell, it's like, right. I can just douse myself in this. It makes me so mad. It makes me, it really gets me too. It it's really, really gets done. me too. Um, I broke up with a woman not too long ago because one of the things that I don't miss. There was a smell. Now, is this a choice? A smell of choice or a smell of okay? Yeah, so that yeah, no, that's like animal level. You can't force yourself to like that. No, and you and I'm going. I'll get used to it. I'm going. No, it's yeah. No, uh, no, and I I dated another woman who straight out of the shower smelled like onions. I'm like, 
No. Really? No. And Jean, it's a deal breaker. It is. It's a deal breaker. It is break. offensive. I mean, people say smell is offensive more than other. Like that's not an offensive sound as much as it is. It's it's. It's and she and she, and they the she's those she's could not help it. I, I mean, I know the, the one that I just broke up with was like, you know, she could not help it. I hope if she's listening to this, then our relationship certainly has changed. I don't but think I mean, she's. Some people smell like scalp. I mean, it's not like right. It's not like you stink. It's like you have this smell the same way that we have these hands or these he- face. You know, like yeah, that's just part of your thing. Right. It's not like you can control it, so nobody should feel bad. <laughs> I don't know, Something but for me, it was like, mm, and you can't say to somebody, hey, I really like you, but there's this thing that's happening, and I know you, because I've, seen, I've, I've we've gotten out of a shower together, and you've still got that thing happening, and it's like, can't have that thing happening. Yeah, there's no conversation. There's no precedent for that. You can't do it. And no. it is something, even though nobody's responsible for it, that everyone would take personally, right? Oh, clearly. I would. I think so. I think I would too, where it's like, I can't help it. Can't you just like wade through this for the next 35 years? And I'm going, I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> can't you just put something here? Exactly. Put on the crash yeah. right under their nose. There's a woman who's, on a, who's in a movie theater right now and just take like scrape some of that off and then put it underneath <laughs> your nose. Is and, it Vicks VapoRub? Well, it's whatever that lady was wearing next to you in the, in the movie theater. And, and, and an interesting thing about when you're, I don't know that I've ever started an improv scene where I've walked in and it, where I walked into the scene and I went, you're making cookies. Oh, yeah. You know, no one starts with, no one starts with the smell. It's either a visual thing or an imaginary thing or what the fuck else is going to be. That's true. We, which reminded me, when you said that the last couple of quartet shows we did, we were trying to get different suggestions. You know how you can get in a rut of asking suggestions and then as a group or a pair or whatever, like, oh, yep, you just have a familiar yeah. response so we're like let's change it up and I think Craig uh, Krakowski came up with this idea of like let's get a something they see visually something they smell and every time cardamom cardamom I was like everyone's working very hard at being is it cardamom or cardamon cardamom cardamom sure yeah like you would send a cardamom <laughs> yes and it smells like the US mail it's a very it smells like the US <laughs> mail see that's it <laughs> <laughs> like, does it smell uh, like stamps? I actually like the smell of a post office. I like the post office all around. All right, I'm in. All I around. I love it. All around. I like I, that there are long lines. It's so rare that that happens Oh, anymore. for me, you're sitting, You're and I will go there. And here's another thing. The people that work behind the counter, they like their jobs. I think, think they so? like their jobs. Oh, when I, especially I, if you go, hey, what kind of stamps you got? They go, okay, <laughs> with, the, with the gesture of the intertwined fingers um let's look we got this and this and this and i've got stamps that i look and i go i don't who do you send these stamps to one is like women's rights another one's johnny cash another one's like people working and i'm not going to send the women's right i'm not going to send johnny cash to my landlord she's just not going to get it you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. that she may get the flag stamp if i have it i don't think i'm going to have it or love stamp the bell or yeah huh? not even love stamp i don't want to think oh yeah love stamp that's a i lot. can't send my love stamp to my to my landlord? Not on a, yeah, or a business, not to the gas company. No. They don't get my love stamp. No, they don't get my love stamp. They don't get my love stamp. No, so there is that thing, like, who do you send that love stamp to? Or who do you send, like, stamps? I don't want to have that that machine that, they, I know. that, that, machine that makes stamps. It just says, like, 0.39 or how much? Exactly. 41 cents or whatever. Yeah. And it, it, it's very, depressing. very and depressing. I feel like if you take it out early enough and wipe it with your thumb, it'll just smear. I, yeah. I just not... 
And it's also, I don't get to tell you a little bit about myself, which is women's rights and guys working. <laughs> and Johnny Cash. <laughs> and Johnny Cash. The Johnny Cash stamps are really good, even though, I'm, like, I'm going to say this, I don't like Johnny Cash. Oh. Fuck. I mean, I'm not going to, why don't you like him? I just don't like him. Okay. I just thought that I don't like his personality because I watched the movie and I read mm-hmm. up about him. But, you know, his voice just doesn't do much for me. And... He's an icon, and it's sort of like mm-hmm. saying, I don't like George Washington. Uh, <laughs> Is there anybody alive that doesn't like George Washington? <laughs> you know what I mean? Where you go, fuck Washington. Fuck, he fucked me over. Yeah, that's true. He is the most neutral person, or, or most, I don't know that he's beloved, but he's just kind of like Switzerland. He did well, and he, or not that Switzerland did well, but like, he, he's, Switzerland did pretty well. I mean, they're still doing, they're, they're doing great. They, they're doing great. buried in their mountains. I also want to say this. I'm huge in Switzerland, so I don't want to fuck that, <laughs> fuck that up. There's a bunch of people now in Bern. I love it, G. I don't, is Bern a city in Switzerland? Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> oh, no! There's somebody right now in the city going, Switzerland. Basel? I know there's... Basel, which we call Basel? Yeah. Basel, Switzerland? Los Velez. There's an interesting, there's an interesting <laughs> thing that I just thought about, like, in terms of somebody hating George Washington, because when he was alive, people must have hated him. Yeah. But then that person died, and then everybody loved him. You know what I mean? Yes. The last person to hate George Washington died, and then suddenly it's like... Some woman in 1874 in Kansas just hated his guts. Yeah, and she died. She was 100 and something years old, (laughs) and she died. It's like, thank God. There's a book that I read called A Brief History of the Dead. Uh Uh-huh. And I can't That's a lot to cover in a brief history. It's a brief history, so they don't even have to cover it because they've already said. That's true. We're just touching on all the dead. This book is so awesome because it's fictional. And it is, all right, we we live in this world right now. I might have talked about this. We live in this world right now, and you're here, and you're cross-legged on the chair. You didn't cross-legged on the chair. Um, And the door's open, and this is happening. There's a breeze going on, and we're all alive. Mm -hmm. And then we die. Uh, one of us dies. So one of us dies, and we go through this transition to a place that looks exactly like this. Mm-hmm. There's still the same thing, and we live in that place until the people on the first level that we're at right now, till the last person on that level who knows us dies. And the moment that that person dies, we disappear in that second level. We disappear. Oh, and that's, that's cool. really... But isn't that what happens anyway? Yeah, I was just talking about this with somebody. I don't know. I'm sure it's a famous quote that I don't know. But you have two deaths. You die. And then when the last person who knows you or the last time you were spoken about or read about, then you die a second death. Right. And I guess a lot of people aspire to live that second or have that second death be as far from their first death as possible. There was a quote that I saw somewhere that said, uh, someone says, what's your dream? And it's like, live my life, become immortal and then die. Which oh. I think is such a lovely thing to go. Live my life, become immortal, and then die. But it, yeah. it, it is. But it's also when you break up with somebody, you break up with them twice. You break up with them once, and then when they start dating somebody else, you you go through yeah, the pain twice. When you grieve, and even if you are instigate the breakup, there's still grief or still loss, or you still recover in that way. So there's that period of time in between, when, either when you're still single or they're still single, where. You are adjusting to your life. Or like, oh, this pillow, or oh, this. I, I remember when I got divorced, I couldn't. I, I went to the grocery store. And I'm like, I don't know what to get. Like, I was used to shopping for two people or shopping. You know, I was like, how do you, how do you grocery shop when you're single? Like, I could have whatever. I, I mean, it was just a crazy little way of that, having that 
freedom. Well, not that my husband was like, you must. Right, we're having mac and cheese. Yeah. That is all. What are you bringing home? You're bringing home corn. Yeah. We didn't talk about corn. That's why why it didn't work out. All those ears of corn. Oh, the carbs. They're all carbs, Jerry. Everybody's Jerry. Um, No, I I agree with you. And there's this song by Greg Brown. And the song is essentially this. Um, I I get to wake. I get to go to bed in socks. I could wake up, I wear my clothes. I don't have to fold the bed the way that you want. I don't have to, you know, not fold the bed. Yeah. You know, when you fold the bed. I don't have to beds. put the bed away. What? What do you do with the bed? If there are couches, people fold them away. <laughs> or they make them, they make them and fold them. Yeah, make the bed. I don't have to make the bed the way you want to make the bed. Which I can eat whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can eat however way I want to eat. And then when you're when there's nobody around, and it's a, it is a period of adjustment. It's a period of going, I can't, wait a minute, I can. Yeah. And then you, I feel like for me, it was just like, then I'm going to march around naked and play Trump and I'm going to do this and this. And I'm like, oh, actually, this is pretty close to where I was, <laughs> is where I like to right. be. But I needed to say like, I can paint my walls or I can do, you know. And you do. Yeah. How long were you divorced before you got remarried? Almost 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. And I thought I was going to, I was like, probably in three years, I'll be married again. And, you know, and I just didn't happen that way. And I was going to move to New York and fall in love. I really had it planned out. You uh-huh. know how you can plan out your life? One word. Gonna... <laughs> Do you plan out things now? No. Isn't that great? Yeah, it's a real relief because the, <laughs> you have no control. I mean, I feel like the older I get, the more I'm like, oh, I have no control over that or that or that or that. Just, I'm afraid oh, sure, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, like just continuing to let go right. um, is, is uh, being able to Continuing to let go. It's so hard. Oh, my God. And it's so relieving when you do. Yeah. But between knowing I have to and actually doing it is... A real struggle for me like I gotta let go and no and then I just resisted so much and then when I'm on the other side I'm like oh okay I will just be open right I, I sat in on this acting class and oh my god I can't think of this guy's name and he played he's such a brilliant actor he's on Arrested Development he played uh, he was in Gary Shandling's show and played hey now oh yeah 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 uh, Jerry uh, Tambor uh, yeah yeah and he teaches uh, um, on the west side and he'd said his career was um, Every, every time something happened in his career, he was looking one way and someone tapped him on the shoulder, you know, or, or the idea of nothing ever comes when you have your hand in a fist. You have to keep your hand open right. for something to land in it. But it is true that you look in one direction and all of a sudden, oh, okay, I, I, that life continues to surprise you. And you can either say, like, I don't want to be surprised mm. or anything is around the corner. I have to keep. <laughs> that positive to be excited and, about being excited to be yeah, excited yeah. to be surprised at being surprised to allow yourself to be surprised I had a student yesterday in, uh, who there was they were doing a scene these two people were doing a scene this one woman was looking at was looking directly at this other woman's ear and this other one was just looking directly and this woman who was looking directly at this other woman's ear was saying I want you I really want you I want you it's like, um, and this other one was saying whatever it was she was saying and this woman said I really want you I want to be inside of you and this woman went just tur- the other one who was looking straight ahead turned to the woman and went, you don't have a dick. You can't be inside of me. And I felt like, oh, there's our new beat. Uh-huh. And the woman didn't. She went, well, I always have my tongue. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Weren't you moved by that word dick? Weren't you mm-hmm. moved by that? And she goes, a little bit, but not a lot. I'm like, that's not what we look for. We look for a change. If you're looking to be moved by degrees... Mm-hmm. You're thinking too much. Do you understand what I mean? If you don't, I okay, don't. Good. I don't. Okay, so good. If so look- it's this thing. If I, if you're going, yeah, I was moved, but I wasn't moved a lot. Either you're moved or you're not. 
And for me, I, I live my life where going, I want, I, want to, I want that revelation. I want that revelation, I want that transformation, I want that turn. And it's going to come and I'm going to surrender to it. And it's not going to be, this isn't enough to move me. This is, this, what you did moved me. I want to be moved. Does yeah, I think the other choice is resistance or fear or something. Of exactly. Like, I hear that. I know I might be affected, but I'm going to wait. Exactly. I'm going to wait. Hesitating. Why do you want to wait? Especially if you're doing an improv scene where you're going, okay, what are, you I'm gonna, what are we waiting for? Because, <gasps> because And this is what I've been realizing lately, and I mentioned it before, but all improvisation, all acting, let's just say improvisation, is the product is the process. Mm-hmm. I, I go to watch quartets not to get to the end, but to watch you guys engage in the process of working with each other. So as long as our responsibility is to be in the process, let's be here and know that the product is the process and I am going through the process and eating up everything that's happening because everything that's happening is the product. Yeah, and as, as, as improvisers who <clears throat> perform for years and years, I feel like when I was very young and starting out, I thought like I learned this and this and this and I now know how to improvise, so now I'm going to do shows. And then you learn that there is this kind of continual cycle where like, I feel like I know what I'm doing. I love this. And I'm like, I am horrible. I, I can't do anything. I can't make any choices. And you continue to build, you, you, you gather all these experiences and you have that to re- rely on. Or, but I feel like I still go through cycles of like really feeling that it's easy and fun and flowing. And then just thinking like, I don't know how to do this at all. And do you really, you really do? Yeah. You yeah. do. I've seen you. I've seen you so often and I don't, I don't, I don't believe you. Because <laughs> I look true. at that and I go, I, I look at what you do and I look at the groups that you play with and not that you are the amalgamation of the groups that you play with or the groups that you play with is the amalgamation of who it is that you are. But there's something where, I, it's so interesting to me when I look at somebody and they express their doubt in something that I go, oh really, you got doubt? Because I don't know that I have doubt. I don't look at that and go, I don't know what it is that I'm doing. I look at that and go, oh, that didn't work for me in that moment. I, I always know what I'm doing. I always know what I'm doing. I wish I had, I really love that confidence and I really wish I had that. I mean, I just, ha- I don't, sometimes I do catch that and go like, okay, yes, I've been doing this for X many years. I have worked in this way or, you know, I wouldn't, people wouldn't work with me if they thought that I was a Dutch. I mean, nobody's going like, oh, we feel sorry for you. Do right. You play? <laughs> That's not how it works at this point, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like because what we do can be so intangible, like the magic of it. And I love it so much that when that magic isn't there, and sometimes it's work and right. it's not magic, I just think like, well, what the hell is that? Like, what do, I feel like I'm blind and stumbling around and can't connect with people. And then I think, what is it about me that I can't connect? You know? Right. Um, and sometimes it is just, I don't know, the stars, chemistry, what's ha- where everybody's Every- coming from and going toward. And- mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess it's that it's not that I think like that I'm getting on stage and going, no, who are you? What, you know, making beginner level mistakes, although right. maybe sometimes, but I think more that I'm getting, trying to get from being good to, to doing something that I'm inspired by and that the audience, the, the shows that we remember, but because they're special, because they're rare, that those moments of everybody in the room is thinking the same thing at the same time and everyone, you make that choice and it's like, wow, that feeling, that's why it's a special art form right it only happens that it is dependent on everyone being so present and everyone listening with their whole body the whole time for five minutes and then to culminate in something great but all it takes is one person yeah one person or me checking out or worry like what am i think about myself instead of think about the show that it pulls away from that Uh, i love the idea of listening with your whole body 
because that's exactly that's that is exactly everything that I teach is listening with your whole body, being present to everything that's happening. You we talked about smells or sounds. We mm-hmm. also talk about looking at you. Have you done viewpoints work? Uh, a little bit for a, a, like a, a, a in a play I did years ago in Chicago. We Got did it. it as a warm up exercise. Oh, but not, not stu- I haven't studied it. So. It's one of the greatest things. I mean, it's great things because it defines everything. So whenever somebody is sitting, like the way that you're sitting in the chair right now, I'm so aware of everything you're doing, your shape. I'm aware of your gestures that you know you, you, with your knee and your nodding and repetition. Yeah. Like all these things are in those repetitions. With the <laughs> so you're, no, you're, noticing like, you're noticing everything. You're noticing there. Yeah, yeah, but you're noticing these things, and when you notice those things, those are benchmarks or it's inventory that you have that I have. I know that you know that I know that you know that you're doing that. You know what I mean? Like at yeah. that moment and when we're at that level of looking at, of, of, I know that you know that I just rub my eye and I know that if I keep rubbing my eye, I know that you're looking at me rubbing my eye and I know that you know that I know that I want you to talk about that. Do yes. You, right? Yes. Yes. And at that moment, we are, we have this code and the code that we have is I see you. Yeah. And that's really tricky at a, at a, a very experienced level of improvisers, like we see a lot of behavior and a lot of truth that comes out of behavior and reveal a lot too. So I don't want to necessarily walk around with my heart on my sleeve, especially if I'm going through, you know, the stuff that's nobody's business. So I need to be careful of my behavior, but I'm so aware. And I think it's hard for improvisers to be, to listen with their bodies that way because it's so much information that you need to respond to. It's so much easier to but listen you to don't words. Have, I get it. But you, you, know? don't, you don't have to respond to all the information. You just have to notice the information. Yeah, but to include it, I guess, is what I'm saying. But you to include, include it is like I am engaging on a 100% instead of just words. Or I don't know. What, no, no, for me, I'm, for me I, I, I look at certain things that you're doing, and it doesn't matter what color socks you wear. I mean, I notice yeah. what socks you wear, but that doesn't matter. What matters is you're nodding to me. So I'm mm-hmm. noticing that you're nodding to me, and I'm going to engage in you nodding to me, but I'm not going to engage in the socks, right? So yeah. I get to notice it, but then I also get to, I get to notice it, and I also get to respond to that which I think, that which I feel will engage the two of us. Uh-huh. Because so I don't have to note, I don't have, I get to notice these things. I don't have to respond to everything. I think, do you, I'm sorry, I, I'm not really responding to what you just said. I was, That's fine. Okay, the same thing, right? right. Okay, yeah, yeah, so, right? <laughs> so what bothers me about theater theater sometimes is I know that actors are aware of these gestures that they create and the effect they have on people, but it's a lot of artifice, and I'm talking about mediocre theater, and many audiences are like, ooh, they're, they're leaning on their fists, so they're thinking and oh, struggling. But I think feel like we are all aware we are all humans as animals perceptive you know just in our survival way we are perceptive of all the physical choices we make so I think that people I have to think the audiences on some level are like I'm not thoroughly moved or entertained or I don't believe it but I don't know that they think that they're allowed to say I don't believe it they're like it's it's a theater play so it's okay that I'm that they're indicating, they don't know that the actors are just indicating it instead of believing it. I, love, right? I haven't heard that word indicating in so long. It's been so long since I've heard that word. I hate and it, it when it happens. I do too. And, and, and I, when, uh, when I'm, in, because right now, the way that I'm teaching and directing is 
let go of the artifice. You're giving me that because you want to tell me what I need to feel. And I don't yes. need for you to tell me what you want me to feel. I need for you to feel it and fucking trust. And at the base of it all, everything is trust. Do you trust that you're getting your information out? And I remember Jeff Perry, who was one of the founders of Steppenwolf. Mm -hmm. Jeff Perry was telling me a story and he was saying, he had a director once tell him, Jeff, 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 you are enough. That is like, yeah. And the moment you go, I'm enough. Now, I have two choices. I could go, yeah, fuck you. Or I could go, oh, I have three choices. Yeah, fuck you. To or I could totally engage in it. Or I could, this, I could, this is the one that I want to do. I'm going to pretend that he's right. And then what ends up happening is you try it and you go, I'm just pretending. I'm yeah. just pretending. I'm just pretending. And then one day you just do it. It is, I think it's similar watching people evolve as improvisers from back in the 90s, like watching improv shows and coming up with people and watching us all evolve. You do, I remember everyone kind of aping other people's, like the improv voice or all the guys doing this voice from the teachers they heard and then yeah. coming into their own and just having all that fall away and just like a clear bell just being themselves. And in that way that the more specific you are, the more universal it is. Instead of trying to be like, I am a man on the stage, like I am this person with this response, everyone goes, I'm a person with a response. Instead <laughs> of like, you speak for all men, so I don't know if I am all men. You know, they want to, I think, do you find that to be true? Like, I, I think it's really interesting. And also think, think that you, went in your example that you just gave, it was a guy. Well, because I came up with mostly guys in my I class. know, but this is, but what, this is, this is what, what gets me about that is, I, I've been doing this since 1983 or 1984, and I've been doing this since the, 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 the crews were five guys and two women. Mm -hmm. And looking at that now, I'm thinking, boy, the fucking two women that were there, whether they knew it or not, there was a lot of responsibility because there were a bunch of women watching those two women, and those two women were the model, were modeling at that moment, at that time, the fashion of the day, um, the comedy fashion of the day, they were modeling what a woman was capable of doing in, in, in that industry, totally. right? So you look at someone like, and I don't know how much you saw, because the moment that I saw Bonnie Hunt on stage at Second City, I went, what the fuck? Look at you. Uh, you are in charge. And, and Bonnie Hunt and Jane Morris and Barb Wallace and all these women. And, and then certainly Betty Thomas and Ann Ryerson. You know, these mm -hmm. women that have been, that, that are like way back there. And Barb Har Barbara Harrison, all these women. And now, you know, of course, you've got Tina and you've got Amy and you've got, uh, you know, Dratch and Stephanie. Yeah. My God, you know. It's and, not a question. Of well, the fucking Katie bar the door. Fuck the door. Everybody, look at these women. Men, please be inspired by these women. Because you said you grew up, you know, you came up with mostly all men. the teachers were men, and right. all, and all the guys in my group that I right. started taking classes with, and it was me and one other lady, and then I think we got switched out. You know, it was always just two ladies and about six or seven guys. Right, and I looked at Tina when I because I I had come uh, Tina Fey and I came I came here and then I went to see a show and I was like that woman is a motherfucking powerhouse and 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 when was the last time that I saw a woman. And this is a horrible thing for me to say, but a woman who inspired me in that way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, when I was in college and I had never heard of the Second City, I just auditioned for an improv You went to Northwestern, there. right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and is that how you know Rachel Hamilton? Yes. She was in the Meow Show, the improv right. group there before and I was. And Susan Messing, too? She was the first person I ever saw do improv, I think. Oh, my I God. I forgot that. Uh, yeah. Because mm -hmm. I saw a new student week. 
you see a bunch of shows. I think Paul Reiser, too, came and did stand-up, which was so cool. I'm sure he was like, oh, college gigs. But it was like so awesome. Anyway, and I saw this Meow show, and I didn't know what improv was because it was 1991, and I was from a small town in New Jersey. There was no internet. Like, I was not from a family of, like, we go to culture. You know, we weren't plugged in in that way. So I was blown away that this was a thing. And then Paul Valancourt, who I love, and I just listened to his your podcast with him, and he's such an inspiring guy. He was a great, he was our director for two years, I think. And then it just, and he's a real artist. He loves the art of improv and inspired us to not go blue and not to, to really work hard at doing this, making something beautiful. And I remember we did word at a time story with Ed Herbsman and Adrian Wenner, Ethan Sandler and Amanda Wire. There were other women in the group. Yeah. And, but we, we did word at a time story as, like we turned the lights off and it was in the afternoon in November in Chicago and it was just getting dark. And I swear to God, we did it for an hour or two hours. And they became like in the, in John Stone's book, like they became incredible, beautiful poems. I am getting goosebumps thinking about it now. Like it, anyway, yes, that was an amazing time. And Oh, so I saw Rachel Hamilton and then I went downtown and some of the guys were like, you should see, um, this woman improvise. Actually, you were in the first Second City show I saw, which was amazing. Oh, like, awesome. I remember seeing, going to Second City and being like, what is this place? This is a job? And uh-huh. you were incredible. It was it amazing. Was, that, what, 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 do you remember the show? It was, um, it, was it Are You Now or Have You Ever Been Mellow that Maya was in? I think that was yes. all in it. Yeah, that yes. was it. Yes. I yeah. mean. And that show was one of the, that show was phenomenal. Yeah. It was so smart and funny. And I had never well seen the comedy. Yeah artists, actors. And that's, I feel like I had a real bee in my bonnet for a long time about you have to be, and I still do a bee in my bonnet. I hate that I just said that. That's no, so no, 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 like, no. Because right I now. I care. Right. About people being great actors and artists doing. And you care when there's a bee in your bonnet. <laughs> yes, you know, both those things. I'm not just going to take that as, oh, that's just some phrase. You care about bees in the bonnet. I but do. you do care about, because for me, all the people that you mention, uh, and and the show that you saw, uh, these people are good actors. They're artists. Yeah. And when you said Paul Valancourt, great artist. He's an artist. I think that more... Uh, you kids, get off my lawn. I think that more people... We, we could benefit, we all could benefit from looking at improvisation as actors and not... Excuse me. And not looking at improvisation as this little parlor fucking trick that we do and the games that we play and all that. Like, let's acknowledge the fact that we're actors and we're artists. And here's another thing. Let's get paid. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's ask for money. Yeah. Let's ask for fucking money. I think that is a tough cultural maybe it is in the improv culture of, of being over humble that's i think that's what I, I what i was talking about i envy that confidence or aspire to have that confidence because i think i looked up to people who were extraordinarily humble and i was like okay so that's how we do it and i apologized for myself a lot instead of saying like i'm good at this i've done this i worked on the main stage of second city that's a big fucking deal but i didn't want to seem uh, arrogant or this or that and, and but just it's like, your truth it's yes, your truth. Yeah. And you fact. can't, you cannot, I cannot, nor will I deny my truth. I will not say I was at the second city and it's a big fucking deal. And not because I scrambled for it and I clawed my way up because I didn't. I just went, oh, I guess I'm moving up here. I'm moving up here. I'm moving up here. And that's mm-hmm. how my career was. But I feel like if I'm not saying this to impress you, one, I'm saying this because this is what happened to me. 
And we had a fucking good show. And that Are You Now yeah. or Have You Ever Been Mellow was a good oh fucking show. Right? And at oh, that yeah. moment, I, and fuck humble, because humble, I'm, I cannot celebrate my life if I am listening to this governor putting, you know, not the governor, mm-hmm, listen mm-hmm. to a governor saying, oh, you can't do that because oh, society's going to think that you're fucked or that you're a meat, that, that you're, that you're too high on yourself. Your ego's too big. Like go fuck yourself. I get what, because it's ephemeral, because improvisation isn't something that we go, oh, here's my, I want to show you my improv drawing. You know, we don't have that. Right. So all that we have are the memories and those memories make us feel good. Or they make us feel like I've challenged and I want to get better. I get to look at it from the lens of I am alive and I am experiencing this process. And I am present to each and every fucking step of it. Yeah. I wish I was passionate about it. <laughs> Sorry, you look passionate. I know. One you day can I'm take get a passion class. I know. I, yeah, they take a, a, pass, a passion class. A clashion. <laughs> in Passionina. Yeah. <laughs> is, is this a real stretch? Uh, well, an passionista. Ooh, Ooh, that's some marketing stuff. I know. That's and passionista. <laughs> I feel like that is a perfume. <laughs> it could be. Someone would wear too much in the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe that. So when I say, you know, it's helped because I, you know, when I, I just had a, a, a Facebook uh, uh, conversation with somebody, very public, about um, do what you want, get paid, ask for money. And some guy went, yeah, it's easy for you to say because you live in L.A. It's like, oh, yeah, you know <laughs> it's no easier. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. But, but your opportunities are, are bigger in L.A. And I'm like, the opportunities are everywhere. The opportunities are everywhere. And I know that because I've traveled this year 70,000 air miles. Oh, my God. 70,000 air miles to different places where there are theaters that pay me so they're making money. So they can pay me to fly out, put me up. Yeah. And then I, I make a living in this spacious place uh, to be able to pay the rent. But you can't tell me that the opportunities aren't there. That's true. I think that's passive and nobody's going to come knock on your door and say, like, we're looking to pay people to be creative ever. <laughs> Never. You have to ask for it. Right. And you have and to value it yourself first before you can ask for it. That's it. And you've got to, right. And you've got to value it yourself first. Before you ask for it, clearly, and you get, and that's the humble thing where you go, I can't do that. I can't ask for what it is that I want. Well, fucking bullshit, you can't. Yeah, I was thinking about that in auditions recently about going in to. I don't like when people say the room or a room, but walking into an appointment that way and wanting the difference between wanting people to like you, or or instilling confidence that you can do this job. Like, hello, I will do this job and take care of this. Uh, I almost said taking care of business in a flash because we just went to Memphis, but uh, is that what TCB. Elvis is? Yeah, TCB. Was TCB. Mm. But yeah, I'm just saying like, I've got this this way, take it or leave it, instead of like, hi, because I really can err on the side of like, hey, is everybody everybody like how do I make no. these seven people like me, which is impossible, <laughs> right, and I'm right, leaving yeah. like, oh, right. I don't like myself now, right. which is, you know, I guess that's a very common experience for But actors. it's a choice that you make, right? Yeah. But it's a mindless choice that you make. What do you mean? The mindless choices. Um, what do you want? I got anybody want cheese curds? I brought oh, some yeah. with as opposed to I'm here to do a job. And you know what? I can do this job. Yeah. And both of those, the mindless choices, uh, oh, you get beat down. And instead of walking in a room going, you know all these people, all these people here, I'm I'm in their club. I'm in their club. I'm in your club. Yeah. It's just you don't know it yet. 
this reminds me of, of a time when I was feeling low and I, re- I was talking to Tammy Sager about it. And she was like, just write down your accomplishments and look at them and be impressed, and which, which is very helpful. And a time before that, when I first came out here with Sue Gillen, and I was deciding whether I was going to live in L.A. or I was going to move from Chicago. Where is she either. now? She is in Chicago. Okay. And um, God, I like her. She's incredible. And, I mean, an amazingly talented human being and one of the best friends I'll ever have. I, I, want, to, I want her on the podcast. I'm going to Chicago. She might be coming out here in I'm February. Going, oh, well, you're going, I'm, oh, I'm going okay. to Chicago next week. Oh. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I got an upgrade. You travel a lot. I got an upgrade. First I'm class. I'm curious about that. Oh, you got an upgrade. Wow. I'm exactly, I'm, I'm platinum. I'm platinum That's in American cool. Airlines. I mean, really? is it just a smooth situation when you're there, when you're platinum? Like, just the whole, you don't no. probably get your TSA pre-approved and all that. I am, so I'm, gonna... I'm pre-approved. I've got this thing. I want to show you this. I hope this it's is a $100 really... bill. It's... <laughs> and here's a little something for yourself. <laughs> you and Brian, get yourself something Dave's nice. reaching into his wallet. <laughs> I'm reaching into my wallet, and I'm taking out this card. It says global entry, which that alone... Global it's a car entry with my picture. You have permission to enter the entire globe. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it came in this nifty little card holder. So um, you flash that with your. Ticket? I don't even flash it. It's all in my tickets already. I just hold it just to impress people. It but um, yeah, it worked. Um, no, every time because I'm I'm what's called a known traveler, and what that means is whatever airline the I am in the I had to go and have a meeting with TSA. This is how you do it. It's a hundred dollars non refundable deposit mm-hmm. and then you either get in or you don't get in and you got in i got in and they refunded your deposit i'm sorry no no it's a hundred dollars if i can take it okay. oh it's non-refundable period. Like, if, if, like, if, if right, you right. don't get in you don't get your money back gotcha so you're saying something and i totally want to impress you with my global entry oh, okay well then i'll i'll depress you with my story which is previous to that when i had come out here with sue i was going to meet with a manager for the first time and i had never really i i i got an agent in chicago because they were looking at second city talent and saying we can make money here, so I don't know how that first meeting went. I don't even remember it. I'm sure I was miserable in terms of in a business sense. Like, hi, do you like me? I don't know what this is. I want an agent. People have them. I know. You know. And then I yeah. came out here and I was like, okay, I'm gonna have a meeting with this manager. I don't know what to do. And I started to say like, I don't. Do I exist? Who am I? What is this? Right. And uh, Sue so was like, well, just write down. Your accomplishments. Sue said that or Tammy said that? Sue had said this previous to Tammy. So okay. Tammy might have stolen this from Sue. I know. I wouldn't, be gossipy, I wouldn't. But no, I know. She's like she's, that. She's, she's like that. Incredible. Most of the stuff that she does, someone else does. I know. Most of the she, stuff. Where I, is unique, yeah. Tammy? So I wrote down, I'm this hotel stationery. I am a classically trained actress and like two other things. And walked into this meeting, which was miserable. And I had kind of been like, I'm funky and like had my hair up weird and like, I, I, I just thought I was going to meet somebody, like have coffee with them. And it was a friend of a friend. It wasn't like you are going to CAA. You know, I just thought oh, okay, right, I'm right. meeting this person to see like, maybe ask them questions. And I think the other person had a different perception that I was showing up to seek representation from them and say, bing, 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 this is why I'm valuable, which I didn't do at all. Okay. And this person took a phone call, just said like, for 10 minutes while Good I was no. in there. And I have really struggled with self-esteem. And I was like, this is okay, this is okay. And then I just started writing, which is, I guess, what I do in situations like right. writing to myself, like, this is horrible. 
I want to die. This one was on the phone for 10 minutes. What do I do? Like just to myself, like to comfort myself. And years later, I found that piece of paper, like I'm a classically trained actress and laughed my ass off. Because if I had even walked in there and said that to her, I think she would have been like, I don't give a shit. How can you make money? That's what we do. What do you think that she was, what, had, you had, had, had you had that meeting now, what would you have done? Well, I try, you know, I've met, I met with two managers earlier this year too. And I think that I'm terrible at it. I mean, I said, like, these are things I've written. This is, these are ideas that I have. And people, I, I, it's always. Do you think that those, right those are facts? It. Yeah. And I, I think, think they're, they're looking for brand truth. Do you understand what I mean? They're looking for what you and I are doing right now. That sort of thing. That confidence, that sitting here like that and going, hey, what's happening? What's going on? Yeah. And it's also, it's a, because you're selling yourself to them. They're looking at you saying, who is this? Because they don't look at you as the amalgamation of that which you've done. They look at you as like, what's the, you're the front of the fucking car right now. You're the, you're the Rolls Royce, that, that statue. The thing that people snap off snap the Cadillacs? Off. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. Code ornament? Wait, oh no, is, they wait. don't snap them off? Who, wait. Get her! <laughs> cling, cling, pockets full of ornaments. <laughs> Jaguar. Isn't that the name of your uh, autobiography? Pockets, pockets full of ornaments. Yes. The Gene Villapig story. <laughs> Just giant. <laughs> because for me, what I do is, yes, I have all of that provenance behind me. You know, I've got everything that, that's a, that's an antiques roadshow word. I have all of this behind provenance. me. Yeah. And, um, but what you're seeing is you're seeing the front of the car right now. You're seeing that. The engine is behind me, and I am coming in, and this is who I am. And here's another thing. Um, we're in business together. You're not the boss of me. We're in business together. And that's such a hard thing to tell somebody. But what you learn from going over that, like, I'm a classically trained actor. You learned you had to go through that, didn't you? Yes. And that's fine. Right. It's fine. Not only is it fine, that's how you learn things. Yeah. And it's interesting to me, I do a lot of corporate training. It's interesting to me how often I will say, like, as improvisers, we make mistakes and we learn to weave them into the basket and make it the pattern or, or to, to fall down and get back up. And then I walk out of that world where I've taught that and go like, oh, I made a fucking mistake. I'm a bit like, whoops, whoops. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> I've fallen down and I can't get up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is over right. miserable. I failed. So it's, it's really hard. I recently thought like, oh, I need to um, take my own medicine. It's really interesting to, to do that. And especially when somebody goes, Wait, you teach this. And you go, yeah, should I do. Ugh. I can't do. I teach. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't want... Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What got me about, so for, for me, what I teach these days is sort of a theatrical Buddhism. So it's that feeling of uh, in improv, you are where it is that you are. You can't be ahead of yourself. You can't be behind yourself. And I've taken the moment. That's the moment that's there. But what ended up happening was I I've been teaching for so long. Then I came across this book on Buddhism called Buddhism Plain and Simple by Steve Hagen. And I read that book and I went, oh, fuck, I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing. This is the life that I've, I've been doing this life. Oh, wow. This is what I've been doing. Oh, that must have been so satisfying. It's very satisfying. And then what ended up happening, because my art became my life, my life became my art, and, there's, and that, that wall which I saw where you go, you walk through the door, you cross over the threshold, and suddenly you don't know. You know, you don't believe what it is that you 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 that you 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 professed in the room. You're not uh -huh. living that life. But right now, there are no walls. There is no threshold. There just is that feeling that you have that you're going through your life. Uh, that is, reminds me of that moment. It's not exactly the same, but in the Matrix, when he discovers that he's he has more power than he thinks he does, and he's like kind of leans in and beckons. Uh, the fight, like, wait a minute, what am I afraid of? Let's do this. Let's experience this. 
I now know that I don't have limitations or the, the limitations I thought. I love that moment in that movie. I, I had a conversation with somebody about The Matrix in uh, the podcast saying, I fucking don't understand a goddamn thing. I would watch the movie and go, oh, that's the guy from, okay, he was over there and then he was in the car. And then he went there and he opened the door and they said, oh, you like the bullet. Oh, you can dodge bullets. <laughs> and, it's like, and then after a while going, I have no fucking idea. I hope he dodges more bullets. Can we have like, more slow motion and rising He's up off the ground? <laughs> Pretty colors. Oh, bouncy, bouncy room. Um, but you just, but getting back to what you just said, right. Because it's that, it's that feeling of fake it till you make it. Harry Connick Jr. said that when he was first starting out, he was Bing Crosby and, Fra and Frank Sinatra. And then he would just, he would just be the, those people. And then one day he did a show and he realized, oh, I was neither those two. I was neither those two. And now I'm me. That reminds me of your very first podcast I listened to. I can't remember the man's name who, Bill something maybe, who opened for Sinatra. Oh, Tom Dreesen. Oh, I'm sorry, Tom, Tom. Yeah. And he was saying that you, as you learn stand-up, you kind of ape other people and then you, that's how you get your own voice. Like it's not, you never will sound like, I never will sound like Eddie Murphy, but I will take a little from this and a little from that and discover. Who I am. Yeah. But in order, but, and it goes back to uh, looking at Second City people because yes. I would, I would, I was, um, this is so funny. I was uh, the only member of, as far as I knew, the uh, WWJLD, which was what would Joe List do? Oh. So I would be, I would, I would say, I would be in a scene, and I would go, I love Joe List. I love his choices. What would Joe do in this situation? And then I would do a Joe thing, and it was like, oh, that worked, that worked, that worked. And then one day, I wasn't Joe anymore. That's cool, and it creeps up. I assume gradually you kind of morph you you morph into yourself or you you do you evolve like, into a, you you discover your voice but you have to open your mouth in order for you to fucking discover your voice yeah and that's really vulnerable stuff and that's what's great to practice that constantly being vulnerable and constantly taking the great emotional risks risks is just a wonderful thing to do with your life and to surround yourself with people who go oh please please open your mouth I'm here. Like people yes, like Rachel Hamilton yeah. who will say, what do you need? Come here. Because I was going through this, uh, 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 it was a crisis with, uh, with, a, with, a, with a woman and I just happened to be staying at Rachel's place in Sausalito and that was the perfect fucking person. She would sit down with you. She would listen to you. She would talk to you. She wouldn't give you advice, but she'd listen to you. And to surround ourselves with people like that, to say, I am here for you. You are not alone. We are not alone. And the people that, that you feel alone with when you're with those people, don't be with those people. Yeah. That's an easy choice, but it takes a long time. It took a long time for me to figure that one out. Well, like, it, for me, it took 14 years of marriage. Yeah. You know where I'm going? And there were, good, there were a lot of good times there. But after a while, I was like, oh, the, the scale tipped. Yeah. When I, when I was married, I got cast in Second City when I was married when I was younger. Um, uh, I got cast in a show when they started doing shows in Las Vegas and I moved out there and was alone for the first time. We'd been married, I guess, four years at the time. And I was like, oh, I'm a happy person. What? Like, I, I didn't realize how much I had lost touch with, like, my light, to let my light shine or how that even worked. And I blame myself for that, or you know, I mean, you can't blame yourself for that because that's I, an evolution. I take responsibility for well, certainly for that, and then you recognize that, yeah, yeah, you recognize that. No, I believe I'm in trouble with myself. <laughs> <laughs> when I get back home, I am going to give myself a talking to. Yeah, I have to go home uh, now. 
but it is that where you and that and I think when I travel, what you notice, what, what what I notice when I travel is I start noticing everything around me, and then I start noticing myself living in that new everything around me, and it's an existential experience, not an existential angst like what am I doing, but along the lines of I'm in a train, I'm looking at the Irish countryside, I'm seeing my reflection in the window of the train, and I'm alone. I know no one on this train. Um, I don't even really know where I'm going to, what's going to happen once I, this train stops. Uh, but I know right now I am on that train and I know right now I am happy right now. That's all that matters. Or right now I don't know what's going on. And so my point of view is I don't know what's going on. I, I embrace the not knowing. Yeah. That's what we do. Trying to wrestle and grab onto some knowing or knowing what's going to happen next. Right. Yeah. You fucking can't. Nope. And it's such a waste of energy, and that goes along with worry as well. Like, what if, what if, what if, you know? Oh, somebody said worrying, uh, uh, worrying is rehearsing for something that you hope doesn't happen. Yeah. So That's I'm a rehearse. great way to say it. Like, I'm going to rehearse for this terrible play every day for two years. Exactly. So I have to do that. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going, oh, what am I going to, what am I going to eat for lunch? Well, I'm going to practice not knowing. <laughs> And it really is a waste of time because while you're doing that, shit's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. There's just so much opportunity. I feel like when I was single for those 10 years, and I traveled a lot, there's something about being alone and flying a lot too where it's like you learn to make your life fit in a suitcase and you just drop. I I stayed with lots of friends and I lived with different families. For I lived in homes and couches and, and I was like, oh, I am just here. I am just this person where I get dropped different places and I can just uh, like adjust when I get there right. and I don't need an apartment to define myself, a house, a relationship, a marriage. Like I don't, I, this is it and this is fine. You are enough, you know, right. kind of whole thing. Yeah. But it's very liberating to, to live like that and when you are open, when you're able to get on a train in Ireland and be that open, things happen. I think great things happen when you're looking, with, when your eyes are open that way. Yeah. Right. You, you must have, I mean, I shouldn't say you must have, but do you have experiences? Do you meet people? Do you find that like wonderful things happen on your Oh, absolutely. Where I, you know, I, I buy guidebooks and then I never look at them. Like I bought a guidebook for Ireland, guidebook for the UK. I bought all these apps about, you know, getting to Europe and then being in Europe. And then I don't because somebody says, Hey, have you thought about, I was like, Oh no. Where I go, Oh, I'm in Dublin. I'm working at the beginning of the week. I'm working at the end of the week. And there is something called the Irish countryside, and there is something called there's a place called Nor- Northern Northern Ireland, and there's this place called Belfast, and where they had the troubles. And you mm. go, I'm going to go there. I'm just going there because somebody just says go to Belfast. I'm like, fuck, I'm going to go to Belfast. Right. I'm going to eat this food. I'm going to look at that thing. I'm going to talk to that guy. I'm going to stop here, even though I thought that I was going to go there. But that's what we get to do with our life. Yeah. And then just listening to everything around you, listening to suggestions of like, try this. Okay, yes. Let's right. see. What, what's this rabbit hole? Like, what's going to happen? What's this rabbit hole? Because I think that that's great. Because I think that so many people go, oh, the rabbit hole. But maybe, what if you go, oh, the rabbit hole? Yeah. It could be. I mean, I feel like that my friendship with Sue, I, I was a very negative person when we became friends. And I think she was someone who was like, you never get to know what's around the corner. Something great could be around the corner all the time. And I felt like... It started to happen when I started to look for it that way instead of being like, well, this can't happen and this can't happen. You know, like that, it's the that choice. fear. And it, yeah, 
it's a great way to live to think to be inspired or be be ready to be inspired all the time exactly to and and so when i when i'm improvising what i'm not waiting for the laugh i'm waiting for that moment that comes where i i where my character has his revelation or his transformation or his turn that's what i'm looking for i'm looking mm-hmm. for that character to learn something that like oh this is why we're doing this piece because the audience needs to see me go through this thing and to surrender mm-hmm. to that and you're being honest to you're not pushing your agenda i feel like the audience picks up on this too if they're experiencing it as you are and i think it's so satisfying for them when both actors surrender to the truth of the moment because it's really respecting them like we we really don't know what we're doing and you we are making ourselves this vulnerable in front of you and you paid to come see this how cool and you know right. so it pays off in such a beautiful way of discovery that real discovery instead of like here comes the thing we're supposed to be doing you know that oh here's like the thing that we're supposed here for, comes the thing that we're supposed to be doing because you've seen this thing before and that's what we do when we do that thing so if i say to you doctor's office you go well there's that scene if i say yeah. to you jumping out of an airplane oh there's that scene waiting in the dentist's office there's that scene instead of going oh i don't give a fuck where we are i don't care where we are we're going to discover where we are later in the meantime look at our behavior towards each other yeah what's happening what's happening what's happening what's happening you said this twice and it's in my head um oh by the way have you seen jeffrey tambor on transparent no i don't is it on amazon i don't think i have a membership I need to figure that out. I'm oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, uh, I, my God. And Alexander Billings is in it. Alex is in it. And, yeah. and uh, who else is in it? We know so many people. Jill, you Jill, know Jill? Jill? I don't know her, but I love her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she had, a, she had a, a cameo. My friend Brett Pazel, she was topless in it the other day. Wow. I'm watching going, oh, there's Brett's tits. Um, but uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Tambor is fucking phenomenal. He's so good. And Alex, Alexandra Billings is so fucking good in that. And it's, it's, it's marvelous. It's marvelous. What made you think of it? Oh, what made me think about that show? Yeah. You feel- take classes from Jeffrey Tambor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or I sat in on one. I should have. I sat yeah, in on yeah. one. I sat way. in on one. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but the idea of tapping you on the shoulder going, hey, look at this, and tapping you on the shoulder and going, hey, look at this. Look at, the, look at where we're going. Look what's happening. That is huge to me. So the one thing that got me, and this is just so childish and juvenile, is you, mm-hmm. you, kept, you said around the corner. You don't know what's going to happen around the corner. Um, my friend Al Rose... Um, so when I grew up, it was milk, milk, lemonade, round, round the, the corner, corner fudges made. made. Oh, yeah. Right? Right, good. So, so. <laughs> round the corner. Round the corner fudges made. So you kept going around the corner, going around I the corner fudges made. I love fudge. I, yeah. I used to work in a candy store. Yeah, so milk, milk, lemonade, round the corner fudges made. You know what I'm saying. Um, but Al, <laughs> Al grew up in Des Plaines, Illinois, where it's like milk, milk, lemonade, turn the corner fudges made. And I got to tell you, it, it, it frustrates the shit out of me when he says that because it's like, that's not how it works. No, you're describing the body. Milk, right? milk, milk lemonade. lemonade around the corner. You don't turn. You don't tell no. someone where to move. <laughs> Here's another thing. Right, right. Here's another thing. The, what I love about milk, milk, lemonade around the corner, fudge is made. It's like right now, fudge is being made. If you go milk, milk, right. But if you go milk, milk, lemonade, turn the corner, fudge is made. For me, what I hear is, in order for fudge to be made, you must turn the corner. Oh, I see. Milk, milk, lemonade, turn the corner to make some fudge. It's not interactive. No, no. It's all machine. It's going regardless of whether or not you aware of it. Exactly. I do love that it's children like boobies, boobies, vagina, poop. We're not vagina. I can't have my vagina. No, poop. Like they're just so obsessed with it. Although. 
Today Hello. and to this day, I love it. <laughs> Me too. And whenever I go, when it was, says, someone says, around uh, the corner, uh, like in a sentence, I go, Fudge is made. And it oh. always gets a laugh. It always gets a laugh. And it gets a laugh because, hey, it's true. It is. And we're not, who, I could not pretend that I'm above that in any way. No. Actually, when I was listening to these, I was listening to podcasts to prepare for this because I always feel like I'm not really sure what to bring to the table. And I did a podcast with this woman, Elizabeth Lame, a few years ago, and all we talked about for farts for a long time and how that makes me break and fart, you know, and I just thought like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about farts, but guess what? I find them hilariously funny <laughs> and fudge as well. And fudge as well. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 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 I do want to talk about it, I think, because I did and I am. <laughs> and here's the thing. We're not, I'm not forcing you and I'm, and I'm not watching you go, oh, how, what's the content? I know I got to, I'm going uh, yeah. to talk about farting and I'm going to do some research Wait, no, on I'm that. sorry. I did read a book. I read a book. Let me talk about the book I read. Not a- <laughs> I talked to somebody about farting and, <clears throat> I, <clears throat> and a lot of cl- throat clearing and pointing and gesturing and farting. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, always, it, is it always funny? No, in China, it's not funny. Now, 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 it tried, I went to teach with Ed Herbsman through the Magnet in Beijing. We went to teach improv. Have you taught there? No. You, they might, uh, they would love you. It might be a good connection, actually. I'll, love it. I'll, I'll hook you up with that lady, and Linda Lay is her name. And so I guess this woman, Linda, had grown up in um, Hong Kong and Toronto and, uh, came to the magnet and went to an intensive, like just kind of in in the middle of her life, just was like, what is this improv thing? And then she started teaching students or having fostering this environment for people to study improv. And so she had us come to, she invited us to come uh, teach there, which was a wild culture shock. And Ed Herbstman, as you know, is a super strong personality. And it was just like very funny to have the two of us co-teach and to have us work with translators. Because I was like, no. everything, and they'd be like, sure, in here. Like, we do as a team. And Ed oh would be God. like, theoretically, what we're, I mean, he would just, paragraphs of brilliant insights. And the translators would be like, sure, you know, like, however, they don't find farts funny. It's just, and they, oh, there's a lot of kind of burping and eating and digesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, like, yeah. this is happening. I just ate, and it's part of my body digestion. And I was like, you don't find this funny at all? And they were like, no, no. And oh, I was like, this, God. this, <laughs> and I felt real cool. Like, oh, we Americans are beautiful. Oh, for me, my favorite sound is, is especially if a woman does this, uh, makes the sound with her mouth, is. Oh. I think Bob Dassey was the first person I really saw do that. I was like. And I started to do it when I taught in New York. I was teaching four days a week, and I got like into this crazy. I had to make myself entertain while I was teaching, and any time I dropped something, I would, and it was like the first class, and these students were like, "What is this? And who are you? What are you?" And I realized it was not necessarily helping me, like helping that moment, but it made me. Oh, I, my friend Richard Label, who I haven't mentioned in a podcast in a really long time. Um, I used to mention him every. We. I had a job where I, I was a courier, and I went. From, it was I worked at this place called Elmar Mole Clinical Labs on Peterson uh-huh. in Chicago. And my job, and this was in the late 80s, my job was to drive around in a Chrysler Dodge Horizon and go from Elmar Mole Clinical Labs to like Michael Reese, Michael Reese Hospital and these little, la- these little clinics all over and collect 
pee and poop and all that in a jar and we would right 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 and it wasn't like and then we put we used gloves and it's like no we fucking threw in the back in in a file box you know but we would drive around and every word it we would just insert the word duty in every single word and every single sign that we saw, um, it would be like, no duty turn. And uh, no duty, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. And like, we would just go, duty, 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 duty. And periodically, today, I bet on my phone, there's a photo of him going heavy duty, a picture of like oh, batteries is like heavy duty. Can't get enough of it. Fucking cannot, still cannot, and still. And also do your duty. I love that dutiful or like... Having it be such a dignified word in terms of like <laughs> patriotism or something. And if somebody says, you got to do your duty, and somebody listening doesn't go, duty. He said duty. <laughs> like, what? It's sort of like like uh, somebody going Niagara Falls and somebody in the audience not going, Niagara Falls, slowly I turn. You know this thing? No. Three Stooges bit. Oh, slowly I turn. It was a classic Three Stooges bit where whenever somebody says Niagara Falls, there's this Niagara Falls, slowly I turn, inch by inch, step by step. And it's just a phrase, and who the fuck knows where it came from. Yep. But it's one of those things where someone says duty, you got to go, duty. He said duty. It's a very lonely feeling when you have that with somebody and you're elsewhere and you want to connect and go, exactly. duty, everybody. Right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> then you can go make a part and whisper yourself. Exactly. Um, my <laughs> friend, uh, another Al Rose story. Al was uh, in grammar school and, <laughs> and one of the spelling B words was make. Oh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and, right, right. So he's going, oh man, when this word comes up, everybody's going to laugh like crazy. And he's, and so the spelling, ill and chill and whatever, and, and take and make. And Al burst out laughing and nobody else laughed. Oh no, <laughs> that's too bad. Make. Although, did you call make? Did you make was not in our oh, make, vocabulary? Make, oh, for, make wasn't our poop. Duty, ours we called poop bullets when I was growing up <laughs> because we were constipated. Like someone did bullets in the in the bathtub or bullets in the toilet. Like it was bullets. Was it? And then but we were and not then, a gun family. <laughs> well, but after a while, did you did you like after after you kind of chilled out and you weren't like making bullets? It's like I torpedoed. Oh. <laughs> I think we weren't allowed to talk about it then anymore. <laughs> I don't you know. Where you suddenly go, I'm no, I'm no longer bullets, man. In the tub. I don't you know. Because that happens. I mean, not a regular. It wasn't a, a I welcome right. choice. Exactly. <laughs> it happens. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Can I ask you a question? Are we, yeah. I, okay, I don't yeah, know how long. Okay. Um, do, is there anyone who makes you laugh when you improvise? I, I wonder if you're someone who doesn't break or if there's somebody that when you play with them, you get you giggle because you... Um, I seldom do I break. No. Okay. Seldom do I break. Did you when you were coming up, like when you were in classes or anything? Um, probably, but uh, but I, I seldom broke. Carrie breaks all the time. And every once in a while, Carrie will say something. It's like, cool, you made me break. Who, who, who makes you break? Uh, boy, all the people that you work with. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm terrible at it. And I know it's not being in the mo- I know it's it's a lack of, like it's not being focused, but I also love it's genuine. I mean, it's just like loving the people. I remember watching uh, Rich Tellerico and Ed Furman when they were in a cast together on the main stage and they couldn't, I mean, they had like improv crushes on each other. They just adored everything the other one said. And when they were in an improv set, I was like, that is a really wonderful relationship to have with somebody that 
they get to work together every night and they just I, were tickled by everything they said. Um, I would I would look at the people that I worked with. I would look at them and I'd go, "Oh my God, that's phenomenal!" Inside, and I don't know that I would laugh, but you know, working with Carell and Colbert and Jackie Hoffman, and looking at those people, going, "Wow!" And for me, and it's what you're saying also. It's that replace ambition with gratefulness. The idea of it doesn't matter where it is that I'm going. Look at the people that I am with right the fuck now. Yeah, that's really cool. It's really cool, and we're blessed. That we get yeah. to play with those people. I mean, that you get to play with Stephanie and uh, um, uh, who else is in quartet? Uh, uh, Stephanie Ware, Bob Dassey, right. Tammy Sager when she's here, and right. Jack McBrayer, and right. Uh, uh, Tammy is someone who makes me laugh, and Jack too. For Tammy has made me reasons. laugh. She has made me laugh on stage a number of times. She is, I mean, an unflinchingly incredible improviser. She is just and. I feel at ease when I improvise with her because I know if there's something I forget or so you know, she has all of it. She has like six levels of remembering the suggestion, understanding what we've touched on, what we haven't touched on, and the ability to be completely in the moment and listen to you where I feel like if I'm like, what was the suggestion? I right. disengage completely. So I don't try to do that anymore because I don't want to disengage. But I know that halfway through 45 minutes, I'm like, I have no idea where. <laughs> that just, that's so interesting. She, she was, I, I did a podcast interview with her, and she told me her story in University of Chicago. Do you know that story? I don't know that. She, her parents wouldn't let her be in an improv company. I didn't know and that. And she had to fake it. So she had to use a fake name. I didn't know that at all. Oh, fuck. you got to listen to this podcast. I listened to the first half of it. Oh, my Classic. God. Well, she gets, to, she gets to the point where she's going, I'm going, wait, you had a fake name? She goes, yeah. What was it? Oh, I I, I don't, it was a Jewy name. It's oh, okay. a very Jewy name. It was a fake Jewy name, but it was really great. Great. All right, let's All right. stop there because okay. this is uh, this is officially the longest podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. What do you be sorry? Don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. All right, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on Dave, you can go to his website at www.davidrosowski.com or follow Dave on Twitter at drosowski.